Hello and welcome to On the Front Porch with us, your weekly Disney podcast. I'm Tony Pascal. I'm Josh Whitehead. And again, thank you for this week. We are uh, very, very, we've had a guest speaker with us, Abby Jindal. We'll get to that in a little while. And uh, we talked about um, Moana. It's going to be great. So um, hope you've already got a second for you to pause and uh, go ahead and watch it. But I'm really excited about this one, Tony. What do you think? Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know if you know this. I actually got to watch Moana like a week in advance. Half in advance, really. Like I got to watch it way, way in advance, which was awesome. Because uh, what it meant was that I like got to like brag about it and see it in theaters like three times. Uh, but also <laughs> it meant that like I was singing the songs like by myself and nobody knew what they were. <laughs> So, like, uh, now when I sing the songs, people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, that movie. But now, like, before, I was, like, singing them for, like, a week and a half where, like, nobody knew what the hell it was. <laughs> right. Uh, that's really funny, actually. Uh, what, do, what, do you, um, what do you currently got going on, Tony? Oh, so, like, I just wanted to, you know, uh, first of all, like, we should say this is a uh, No Little Ears podcast. So, close your little ears. Um, there's blood and gore on its way for sure. So right. close, those, close those little ears. Yep. Um, I also want to let you guys know, uh, I want to really quick correct a mistake that we made in the last podcast. So if you were listening to our last podcast, uh, which is um, the journey home, uh, fant- uh, incredible journey. Uh, yeah, home home um, we did make a mistake in the talking about the short uh the we said the director jack Hanna was part of hannah barbera he is not he is just another hannah so sorry about that we are doing more fact checking nowadays so we're working to uh improve on that sorry about that <laughs> yeah uh sorry um simple mistake yeah sorry jack Hanna. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I uh, um, I did get to go see uh, Born in China early this week, which is the Disney nature. Oh right, um, yeah. So I get to see a whole lot of Disney uh, Disney films early, which is awesome. Uh, through my stature in the Disney community, not really. Uh, it's actually because Marie is a zookeeper at a place, <laughs> and at the zoo, uh, she gets tickets to free Disney movies. Uh, so I get to benefit from her stature, actually. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, it was really good. You guys should definitely go out and see it. Uh, it does a good job bringing awareness. Super interesting. Uh, talks gets some really good footage of snow leopards and pandas and stuff. Uh, would definitely recommend it. Oh well, yeah. And the other thing too is I understand it to be um, at least partially about like environmental sustainability, isn't it? Yeah. So it came out um, the weekend of uh, Earth Day. Right. Uh, so, like, it definitely like is about conservation, and like, it, I don't think it's actually about conservation, but it like it, it it's meant to like bring awareness uh, of these animals. Um, good job of like mostly talking about how cute and awesome animals are, and by doing so, sort of like making you want to conserve them. Right, and so like, uh, that's a pretty good way to lead into Moana, but. Before we do, uh, we've got a couple of trivia 
questions, right, Tony? You got some? Yeah. So uh, my my before we start too much, uh, directed of course by Ron Clements, John Musker. Trivia, Josh. Who in every Ron Clements and John Musker film, they are portrayed in some way. Do you know who Ron Clements and John Musker are in this film? Um. That it is the two little boys dancing side by side. No! <laughs> it is uh, the chicken and the pig. Okay. <laughs> they are Ron Clemens and John Musker. Yeah, that's funny. I, I was hoping it was that one little boy who's hulaying and like... Yeah, no, that guy's badass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, cool. You got any other ones? Uh, well, of course, the music by Lynn manuel Miranda. We're going to talk a lot about that, I'm sure. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, but also, uh, I know you and I both, like, you know, pulled this one trivia fact separately because it's super cool. Yeah. Uh, one of the villagers was played by Troy Palomalu, uh, former uh, Steelers safety. Yeah, he's, like, one of my favorite Disney or favorite Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in history. He's pretty great. And on top of the fact that he was in this movie is awesome. Yeah, no, it's super cool. Uh, we have a interview with him, like a very short, like 30 second clip where he's like, yeah, I'm not an actor, but I like being in this movie because like, uh, it's about my people. And I just like thought it was a really cool idea. Um, so we'll put that up on the, on the Facebook page. Uh, but yeah, we're both big Steelers fans. So, uh, I like when I was watching this in the theater and I saw Troy Palomalu's name come up, I was like, hell yeah, Troy Palomalu's in this movie <laughs> as a villager. Uh, that's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> pretty awesome too. Um, and like, that's another thing we're going to talk about in the movie is just how many, um, were casted as, um, as part of this movie who have, um, the, the, you know, cultural background of, of what this movie is depicting. I think that's really great. Yeah. Lots of uh, like Polynesian folk, uh, some native Hawaiians. Um, yeah. And what's interesting, of course, like it, it's just like a good depiction uh, of, of that sort of like uh, of that setup. There's a few characters who are white, obviously Alan Tudyk uh, plays the chicken. I'm sure everybody's seen the video of Alan Tudyk voicing a chicken. <laughs> yeah. uh, that is an excellent, excellent video. <laughs> That's already up on the Facebook page, by the way. Hope you enjoy that one. Okay. My cat is purring into the microphone. I'm going to move her. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We're going to have you watch Moana, uh, say, 2016 movie. And it was really, really good. So hope you like it. And pause. One day I'll know how far I'll go. All right. That's <laughs> uh, so before we get into anything, Tony, um, we did get to have Abby on and uh, we talked to her a little bit. She had some really interesting thoughts on the Disney princess dynamic. Um, and I was really excited to have her on. So what we'll do now is um, go over to that video and or to that, that recording. And yeah. Here it is. All right. So welcome, Abby Jindal. Thank you so much for being on our program. Yeah, totally. Thanks for, thank you guys for inviting me. 
We are super excited to talk to you. Um, I know you have like a lot of exciting things that you want to say, uh, and uh, definitely are glad that you get to come out and join us. Yeah. No, I love this movie. I mean, as much as I'm going to be critical, I really did enjoy this movie. I'm really excited to talk about it. Awesome. Well, um, we're really happy to have you on. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and give us uh, yourself? Yeah. So my name is Abby, like they said. Um, I went to college with Tony and Josh, so briefly with Tony. And um, I mean, I'm sure like many people who listen to you, I've been watching Disney movies forever and ever, it feels like. And I've been a particular fan of the Disney Princess franchise, even despite the fact that they, you know, marketed heavily. I, you know, ate up every piece of it as a child. So yeah. adding to the lineup always excites me. So I feel like, you know, as someone who still keeps her hair long because, you know, in my head somewhere I'm Jasmine and who still dresses up as Esmeralda for Halloween every year. Um... I do still like to kind of look at the princesses with more of a critical eye as I become more of an adult to kind of yeah. see how they've affected how I've grown up. Yeah, and that's really like a little. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really like what we're trying to do here is like kind of turn a critical eye towards uh, some movies that we love and still love, uh, but like feel like we can be critical of them now, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so um, I know that this is something that you really want to focus on um, when we talk about it a little bit, uh, is this Dis Disney princess dynamic. So um, before we get too much into that, Tony has some uh, rapid-fire questions he's going to shoot at you and uh, try and keep up. <laughs> you ready? Yeah, go for it. All right, favorite Disney movie? Uh, Lilo and Stitch. Okay, favorite non-Disney movie? Ooh, uh, Mad Max. Oh, awesome. Favorite Disney princess? Uh, that's a toss-up between Belle and Jasmine. Okay. Favorite non-Disney princess? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Are there other princesses? Uh, let's go with Anastasia. <laughs> Think of any others. All right. <laughs> uh, favorite vegetable? Uh, spinach. Favorite nineties song. All of them. Um, <laughs> uh, that one. That one. What was that group? Bowling for Soup. You're yeah. Nineteen eighty-five. Yeah. Especially that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you think about when you are alone in a car? Uh, what I'm going to make for dinner. <laughs> Fair enough. Really All right. like, I've turned into an adult, but like that's what I think about. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, last question. Let's assume that you are making fun of Josh to your friends. What's the first trait you choose to lampoon? Ooh. Hold on. Um, um, then he's picky. He is picky. That's a good one. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that, but I remember that. <laughs> I I don't like that Tony got to choose the questions. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, all right. Well, great. Um, so, going just jumping right into this Disney princess dynamic, um, 
you know, what are your thoughts on Moana as distinct from those other ones? So, I mean, well, with Moana, you know, she, I guess I, guess I can't really speak with a whole lot of authority on, like, Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty or Snow White, because while, I mean, while I watched those movies, you know, I never really connected with them so much, because it felt like they weren't really built for me. Mm-hmm. So I guess, but with, but with, um, with a lot of, like, the Disney movies started coming up in the 90s, and, like, moving into the Disney Renaissance era, they were... Moana is very different in that she starts out very with a with a really high degree of self confidence that I feel like you know Disney characteristically lacked in all of its main characters like they, they were clearly very skilled and very capable people of some some measure but something in their circumstance was holding them back that they that they you know that, that was holding back their real personality their true skills whatever whatever that kind of a thing. Can you give like Moana, a, an example uh, like of what you mean? Yeah, like, um, like Belle, for example, I think is a really good, a really good look at, um, you know, someone who's clearly very smart and very capable. To us, it's very obvious, but to the society around her, she's like a weirdo. Mm-hmm. She's like socially awkward or doesn't follow what their norms of interaction or, you know, their expectations of what a woman should be, that kind of a thing. But then she meets someone who either you know, arguably ignores that part or appreciates that part of her. Mm-hmm. Where with Moana, she clearly fits into her society really well. Like, she's a natural leader. She's very skilled at dancing and arts and crafts and, um, you know, athletics and <laughs> singing and Leadership, everything. Yeah. 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 She starts out as, you know, basically perfect other than this, you know, one quote-unquote, like, well, it's not really a flaw per se, but just the one thing that makes her different. Yeah, and I think there's nothing else wrong with her. Yeah, and this is something that Tony and I talked about before uh, while watching this movie was um, that it's not a matter of whether she will be successful, Moana. It's a matter of what she will be successful at. Like we see her successful as a leader, and we see her successful as an explorer. So. Either way, she's going to be successful. She's she is a perfect character in all reality. It's just a matter of what she's going to be successful at. Exactly, and it's not a bad thing. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's not intrinsically. And not again, first time I'm saying this. It's not intrinsically a bad thing to try and portray that this girl. There is a girl who can do anything and just has to, you know, find what she wants to be successful at. That's not intrinsically bad. I'm just a little tired of it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, um, obviously you have, you're you're pretty critical of this movie. Um, or like it, it's a great movie, and there are a couple of things that you you've found that are um, distinctly um, like problematic with with her being such a perfect character. Yeah. Uh, how do you compare that to some of these uh, other older princesses? Um, I don't. I. I... I'm a little critical of the princesses' characters in, in general. Um, but with some of them, like, I felt like there was a, a bigger plot at hand. Like with Beauty and the Beast, there was a bigger story about, you know, accepting people for who they are and not looking and looking on the inside and that kind of thing. But so Belle not having a character arc was not a huge deal for me in that movie. Or I don't know, with like, to me, I, I know little, little people have like mixed opinions about Little Mermaid, but like, with Little Mermaid, it felt like there was a, a bigger story at hand of, of um, 
being able to let young people be free as the, you know as the, as it is that they want to be. So it, it was a little forgivable that she didn't have a character arc. But I think and I think I know a lot of people didn't like this movie either. But Brave, I feel like Merida had an actual character arc, and I really appreciated her. So like as far as like yeah, she's she definitely does have a, a strong character arc. She does. Yeah. Uh, can you think of like another example of like somebody else who who definitely has like a strong character arc? Because I'm thinking like maybe like Mulan has like a pretty solid character arc where she like grows throughout the movie as a person. He uh, does, does somewhat, but I don't I don't feel I don't feel her flaws quite as strongly as I did Merida. That's all. She has a character. Yeah, she has. She definitely has more of a character arc than Moana did, and she actually struggles. To some to some degree, I think. Yeah. Like I love the movie Moana. Like I have been amazing things to say about Maui as a character and Dwayne the Rock Johnson's voice acting, and I absolutely love that. Alan Tudyk. Or and Alan beautiful chicken noises. But um, yeah. And again, with Mulan, there was a there was a like a larger story at hand that really. Kind of Mulan's small but existent character arc fit really well into, and I feel like that with this movie, it just they could have given her a little more of a struggle. Yeah, Whereas with Mulan, she had to struggle with the things that she was bad at. Yeah, you think like you think about like you know Simba or Aladdin. These characters like have like things that they like. There's like grit in their backstory. There's like things that they have to like grow from. Um, I agree. I agree with you on the grit point entirely. Yeah. There's because nothing like... I haven't had a gritty female character at all, ever, which would be amazing. I would be really happy if they even attempted that. Yeah. What, um, so, like, what would, what would your perfect, like, Disney... Your next Disney princess... If I'm, like, looking to Abby Jindal to, like, find our next Disney princess, who, who are we looking for? Well, I would, so, okay, so this might be a little bit weird, but I would really have loved um, Hiccup to have been a girl. Okay. From How to Be a Dragon. Yeah. Oh, Because that would have been, to me, just, like, that would have been, to me, a really good way to give, like, a female main character, um... You know, some sad, some sadness in her backstory, some character growth, some lovability. Like, I feel like Hiccup was a really great main character, and I feel like they could have just as they could Disney could just as easily create someone who has, you know, character flaws, but who plays to their strengths more than anything. Yeah. Well, and I, I know that one of the the fit. the things in the works um, for Disney right now is. Um, for a homosexual princess. Um, what are your thoughts on that in terms of, like, personal struggle? I mean, that would be quite a character arc. That would, if they gave, if, I mean, if they gave her, if she struggled with it, she struggled with that even a little bit, I would be really, I would be really impressed and proud of them to create a movie like that. I guess my fear would be that she would just be homosexual as a side note and would be completely comfortable with it and stuff like that because they'd be afraid of portraying that kind of, um, that kind of, I guess, I wouldn't call it controversial, but that kind, that kind of difficult backstory. But yeah, if they, that would be, 
that would be probably a really good place for them to start giving their princesses a little bit of grit. Mm. Yeah, I think Even so. Their princesses, female leads in general. They don't yeah. have to be a Disney princess. Just any female yeah. character. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I again, my favorite Disney movie is Lilo and Stitch. I love Lilo as a character. She clearly <laughs> had flaws. Flaws that yeah. I personally related to in some ways. Like, that, that, um, I mean, really, that whole franchise, I just, I love it. Even the really sometimes terrible TV show. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't matter because that first movie was such gold that it didn't matter after that to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, I think what you bring up though is actually really interesting. I think that there is probably, like, honestly, a lot of like really good portrayals of like complexity in female characters outside of the princess franchise. That I think yeah. maybe like, like, so like Inside Out. I think like has like a believable like then like like actually several like really great female protagonists i think like the finding nemo movies like i think some of these uh these films actually may be like uh outside of the princess like genre like i guess like outside of that track maybe uh yeah but, yeah we do see them we do see them giving female characters a bit more character i guess yeah yeah, absolutely. Mostly. I really think whenever Disney teams up with Pixar, they do a particularly good job of character arcs. Not always, probably, but just mm -hmm. to my <laughs> understanding. Like with Finding Nemo and with Toy Story and with, uh, I don't know about character arcs in Toy Story. I guess you kind of. And with, um, <laughs> I feel like yeah. there are a few examples of really, really well done character driven stories when with Disney Pixar movies. And just, I think just... that's... Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I was going to yeah. say that um, the, the other one that really comes to mind for me for, um, I guess, um, supporting protagonists for female characters is um, with Wreck-It Ralph. Um, hello. Hello. Okay, I can still hear you. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Wreck-It Ralph, you know, uh, the there is, I think, very proud, like, has a lot of that character development, too. Yes, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, okay, so, like, if you were to say um, that the, the, the way to fix your issues with Moana, with, with her character struggle, how would you propose to, to have gone about that differently? Um, I mean... It's not like I like I dislike any any of her characteristics in particular, but they could have picked something like they could have made her a less less suited for the leadership role and just like maybe her dad was blinded by fatherly love or instead she might have been a perfect leader but in, but she secretly held some level of self-doubt about this whole ocean thing and about this whole sailing thing. Yeah. Or I don't I, like like they could have taken one thing or maybe she was really really smart and so capable leader but she wasn't physically capable and so she had to learn how to she had to learn how to yeah. overcome that part of herself. Yeah. Like with Mulan, who wasn't like necessarily physically capable but she was clearly very intelligent. Yeah. Right. Like, that was I her think... struggle. I feel like they could have just picked something to give Moana a struggle. Besides, like specific like sailing knowledge kind of thing. 
Yeah, that's, that's she picks up in like five minutes. So yes, no, she she picks it up in five minutes, and she didn't even have to really struggle. It was like a like a five minute scene of her struggling to navigate, and then <laughs> yeah, like she didn't. Re she never really struggled for very long periods of time, or there well, wasn't just one continuous struggle. Yeah, I think you're right. The fact that like, especially when we look at Maui when he's going down to um the abyss right he's going up to the, climbing up this mountain to get into the abyss to get his hook back and he looks down and she's like above him she's already climbed past yeah. him i think that's mm -hmm. crazy yeah she's she's just so physically capable and mentally capable and just everything yeah and i think yeah. i think what you guys are what you're saying is that like we're not necessarily like it's not necessarily a problem that she is perfect in this particular movie, it's just like part of a trend where there's no gritty characters, right? Yeah, exactly. It would be a lot more, for me personally, it would be a lot more forgivable um, if they had, say, previous to this not done movie, like, not done, like, Tangled, where Rapunzel is also just 100% self-actualized from the beginning. I mean, yeah. again, I love that movie. And Flynn, the Flynn Rider, had a great character arc, but Moana is like a like a miniature reskin? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're right. It is, it's definitely something that has been happening for this, the past couple of movies with uh, Disney female characters that are the lead characters. It's, it's, it is a trend. And I think that it's something that um, I would like to see remedied in the next Disney princess movie. You're right. I would like it specifically to be a Disney princess movie. So I'm really happy with, with great female leads all the time. Like, even if it's not their princesses, great female leads are always a good thing. Right. But it would be nice if, because the Disney princess franchise is all about being the ideal for girls. Like, that's just the thing that they're selling without saying so. Right. And it would be really cool if they branched out their ideals. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying with Moana. Like, they're physically branching out because they, you know, Reskinned her, but she still has long hair, and she still has um, like perfect, like very like idealized body proportions, and she just has a like different ethnicity set of features. Right. I'm yeah. not saying I don't. I dislike her character design. It's fine, but just that's not the kind of diversity I personally am looking for. Yeah, absolutely. It makes it a little bit harder to be relatable. I agree. Yeah. Um, and so before we let you go. Abby, first of all, again, we want to say thank you so much for being on with us. Um, Absolutely. And uh, before we let you go, what would you say is your favorite uh, adult joke of this movie, if you had one? Um, there was one. There was the one about tweeting, but not that one. There was another one. <laughs> one more I can't. I like that she almost said son of a bitch. She, they even animated the, like, bee in her mouth before she did Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was mine, too. <laughs> I appreciated that. I do, I do miss, I know this is a little bit weird, but I do miss the, like, very vaguely, like, sexual references <laughs> once in a while. Oh, yeah. Because now, now it's really, like, someone will immediately point it out. Yeah. So it's not as much fun. But yeah. I did enjoy those. But that was funny that she almost said son of a bitch. I, I laughed out loud in the theater. <laughs> yeah, no, that was definitely... I, uh, awesome. I like, laughed really loudly and no one else was laughing. 
<laughs> I feel like we're doomed to like forever and ever be like the only adults in a like theater full of kids. <laughs> hey, hey, if you have kids, then it's not a problem. That's true. <laughs> Currently, don't. <laughs> it'll be a problem for another few years, but at least a little down the line, it'll be more. It'll be more. Um, it'll be less awkward. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna call this episode "Have Disney Babies" so you can go to uh, movies without uh, feeling awkward. <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's what I'm saying. I saw I see people cosplaying with their children in Disney outfits. Like that is the most genius move. It's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> well, uh, thank thanks so much, much again. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. this has been awesome. And hopefully, we'll have you on again. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, uh, send our love to everybody at the Disney Movie Club or Disney Film Club. You're going to we'll be there for grad school soon, right? Say what? You're going to be there for grad school soon, right? Yep. I'm going to be. I'm going to be at NC State for uh, veterinary school in the fall, so I'm going to start going back to Disney Film Club. All right. Awesome. Bye. Well, uh, tell everybody we say hi, and uh, well, actually, I guess we can tell everybody we say hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah i guess uh thanks so much again we'll, we'll talk to you later absolutely see you see you around guys thanks and so again thanks so much to abby we appreciate everything that she did it was great having her on and um yeah, yeah. I, I think that she made some pretty interesting points tony yeah absolutely i loved having her on and i'm so glad that like we were able to sort of dive deep into uh, this sort of like single topic. And we're going to be doing this more with our guests from now on. So most of our guests from now on are going to be on for like 20 minutes. So we can go really deep into a single topic. Right. And the thing that they find to be um, especially important for them in um, whatever it is that they, they have found um, that really makes them uh, an expert on the topic of what we were shooting for and what we'd like to continue shooting for with our guests. So uh, be prepared for that. It's going to be a little different from here on with that. Absolutely. Um, so watching the movie, you got a chance to watch it. Um, but again, like always, we're going to talk about our main topics before we get into the uh, chronological side of the story. So Tony, what are the main topics you picked up? So for me, I think like, I think I learned a lot about how chickens uh, make great sidekicks, um, how, you know, working with a chicken can, like, uh, really give you insight into solving your problems and uh, making sure that you are... <laughs> I can't do it with a straight face. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what about you? <laughs> yeah, I guess the, the main... Um the main theme that I picked up was that uh, the island of Tafiti is uh, like you skip ahead 500 years or so and you have Oceanic Flight 815 crash on the island. From like, from Lost? Yeah, from Lost. Uh, <laughs> well, so I only say that. I say that because like you've got this beautiful island and it's very mysterious and godlike. And while we don't see any polar bears, I have a feeling there's polar bears there. Um, and 
Yeah, not to mention the fact that there's like a little well with like the fountain of youth down in there, Tafiti's heart. I have a feeling that it's the same island. I, I, I'd be willing to to write a separate podcast about it. Yeah? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the island never like stands up and walks around. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. Uh, were there any like actual themes that you picked up? <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, like, some things I'm super interested in are, like, the aspect of Mother Nature in this film and, like, how it plays against the culture of the people uh, who live there and, like, how the people have to, like, change their lifestyle because of nature. Okay. Interesting. Um, and I know the other one that you really you wanted to talk a lot about was, like, cultural motives too right these the the way that their culture behaves sure i i think like uh i i really enjoy in this film like how like we learn eventually about the ancestors and how moana like wants to be like the ancestors and like has always wanted to be like the ancestors then learns that the ancestors are explorers and like she's part of this like grand tradition of like of like ocean goers and like wayfinders and people who like uh she she like feels a strong connection to that and i think that that most powerful parts of the movie um yeah we can talk a lot more about that as we go but i think like my major critique through that is like she never really uh she like she totally ditches her current culture by the end of the film so she like all of the people that like have been living on this island have been like farmers and growers uh, now like are basically because Moana has has decided to are now going to all be explorers kind of thing. Um, so she kind of like loses and sheds her current culture, which is interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's a big talking point, and I think we're both going to get into that a little bit. Um, I think my main points are mostly about and again being a religious studies um graduate um with most of these movies i'm going to be looking at that side of things just because that's what i i tend to look at um so uh, i think my main ones are the the motives of the gods first of all um and so like the these the the reincarnation of tafiti as taka is a big one um that's that's definitely a part of it, and the other one is about Maui. You know, uh, the irony of Maui's power, Maui's motives, those sort of things are the things that I find most interesting about this movie. Cool. So I think between us, we have several interesting things that we're going to get to talk about. Right. Uh, so starting right out, great music right at the beginning. Right. Yeah. Um, we like we hear the. Uh, as the as the the ferry is going across the castle, we hear like the the lone voice call out the beginning of our our opening song. Uh, yeah. Like sounds really cool. It just sounds really badass. Uh, definitely a fan of this opening uh, intro. Yeah, for sure. And then we've got the origin tale, mm-hmm. as told by um, Moana's grandmother which I think is really interesting, um, sort of explaining how things began. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this is always a big part of cultures is talking about where things come from um and this is another reason why i find maui so interesting is that a lot of these um stories about culture are sort of based on uh maui right these like he made coconuts for them he made the sun come out of the sky kind of thing yeah these are new zealand maori uh like native new zealanders maori uh uh, histories and and myths, right? And so, yeah, a lot of these are based on actual um, myth, uh, real myth. So, um, I, I really like this origin story, though. I think that it's really cool, and the fact that it's based on Maui is really interesting. And so, like, you've got Maui; he goes to the island, he um, steals. And basically plunges the world into darkness. Yeah. What's interesting about that? Like, so a lot of what the grandma grandma's story is actually really close to basically true, which is interesting because it's like hundreds of years later and it's like an oral history. Right. So like it's a legend, but most of it's right (laughs) for somebody who wasn't there and like, doesn't probably nobody was there. She got, she got a lot of it. Right. What she, as we find later, what she really, got wrong is that like Taka and Tafiti are the same person later on but like uh, in in her oral history that's not given as truth uh, and another thing that she kind of gets wrong well from her viewpoint and in throughout the storytelling of her she, Maui starts out as a bad guy so she like uh, she's as she's relaying the story we sort of see Maui as this like dark evil figure kind of thing Right. Um, and I think that's interesting. And one of the things that I take out of her uh, character, and I'm, I saw a lot of symbolism in this movie, one of the main symbols that I see for her is memory. Um, and that would be like, she is embodying the truth. She's embodying memory for this tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is a matter of oral history. I think it's her job as the the village crazy lady it's been passed down to her um these stories she she's the one that's supposed to recount these stories and i think that's part of the reason why at the very beginning we see her telling the children these stories because that's her actual job in the village is to recount history yeah yeah also she is fucking terrifying she's like inescapable death Uh, <laughs> but yeah, her like her major like point from the story that she's telling is um, that basically someone has to to save the the entire earth, including the village, because like uh, the heart is gone, and so like the earth is slowly dying because Mother Nature Nature is kind of slowly dying. Tafiti, um, by returning the heart to Tafiti, you will restore the earth. Right. Um, and again, that's something that you, you talked about with um, a, as a, a major theme is the environment. Yeah. So uh, I guess sort of like for me, this is another interesting thing. And we'll talk a little bit more about this later. But the, the way that it looks cinematically, the way animation looks of um, 
the this deterioration of existence, right? This black looking smoke. Um, again, a callback to Lost, but uh, more importantly, it, um, it looks like ash, right? It looks like um, volcanic ash. Yeah, it, it looks, and, it also kind of looks like, uh, especially there's a scene where right after grandma shows her the, the boats, uh, like she sees the, the black streaks on the rock, it kind of looks like oil in that scene. Like it looks like draining out kind of thing. Yeah, well, and I think that's one of the ways that they depict it, maybe to try and, and make it look more modern. Um, or try to associate more with what's going on now. But I saw it as, or at least a lot of the time, they're depicting it as volcanic ash. And I think that's really interesting, considering that Tikka is portrayed as a volcano, right? Um, and so when you myth structure, how myths work, um, a lot of times myths are constructed to explain natural phenomenon that have no current explanation um this particular instance if we were looking at it as a historically true story then um maybe what had happened was the of tafiti was actually a volcanic island um and it they described it as a, a another god because it started to, um I, I just those sort of myth structure things interest me i think that's really cool yeah no it's a good point um i think i find it interesting you're right that like tafiti is sort of a lava god right and these or taka is yeah Tika, excuse me taka is sort of lava god and like Honestly, these islands are mostly there because of volcanic activity, right? So, like, these the people who live there actually owe a lot to Taka, uh, in air quotes, kind of like. But like Tafiti, so there's sort of two parts of the same coin, right? Taka can like destroy your earth, destroy your like everything you've worked for, like burn down an entire island with volcanic like fire. So like. Volcanoes both give you the place to live and destroy that whenever they continue growing uh, and continue having that activity. So it's sort of like life and destruction in that sense are two parts of the same person. Well, and this is something that is very common in religion. When you look at, um, for example, in uh, Hindu religion, there's a three-faced god um, called uh, Brahman or Brahma. Um, where ha part of one of the faces is Brahma, the, the creator. One of the faces is um, Shiva, who is um, the destroyer. And then there's one god whose name I forget, who's the sustainer, the continuer. And so when you look at that, it's interesting to see, you're right, that the fact that um, this god has three separate duties um, mm -hmm. but they're all part of the same thing. So when you look at Tafiti, especially being re reincarnated or re-represented as Taka, I think she was Taka all along. She was a, a volcano god all along. It's mm -hmm. just a matter of embracing that that's part of 
creating life as well as uh, taking life. That's part of nature. Hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I love that. So, like, speaking of nature, we we get to we get down to the beach. We see Baby Moana walking yeah. on the beach. It's real cute. So, Baby Moana is the only one not scared by by Granny's story. She walks down to the beach, real cute, and uh, saves a sea turtle who is definitely squirt. Right? She the sea turtle it is, is for, sure, yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Um, and so, like, she saves this this turtle. Like, kicks off like birds and stuff uh to save the sea so like probably and in that way like gains a friend in the sea god right uh interestingly i think at the same time she probably lost a friend in the air god but whatever uh uh so yeah and uh, like the other part of that is that i think that it's really interesting that uh the ocean is portrayed right um versus later when when she becomes more interactive with the ocean as like she's going wayfinding and stuff to try and find maui where it's acting more her age so i think it's interesting that the the sea seems to age with moana Mm -hmm. in terms of how it's portrayed yeah Interesting. Um, I, I don't know. That's just a little interesting thing that I saw about the way that they animated the sea. Um, yeah. And so she's given, she's coaxed into finding the stone by these pretty little shells. Um, and these shells are another really cool thing. And they're, it's seen later on. In the, um, these shells are really interesting to represent sea travel. They, they represent the ocean. Um, but more than that, they represent the adventurous side of Moana. Yeah, sure, because it's like in opposition to the the rocks, right? We see the the tower that uh, Dad creates uh, for like each chieftain puts their rock here, uh, yeah. and at the end of the movie, she puts a shell there. Um, and I think we see that the shell is in opposition to rocks, which are stable and like earthbound and um heavy flat yeah yeah um and i think you're right the fact that they are heavy that rock tower which we'll see more of but that rock tower to me is of um obligation her obligation to the island to these people um and i think that's why right after her dad shows her this stack of rocks she suddenly kind of takes on the role of chieftain um, she, she she gains her responsibilities a little bit better. Right. Because this rock tower, I don't know, I didn't count it. It looked like uh, roughly about 15 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if each chieftain puts down one rock, um, you're looking at, and each chieftain living maybe 30 years, you're looking at a really, really long time that these people were on this island. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hundreds of years of people being on this island with a system. So there might have even been stuff before then, but that with a system in place where each chieftain puts a rock up here. Right, right. Yep. Absolutely. And so, uh, um, yeah, but before then, like, she's coaxing stone, um, the, the heart of Tafiti, and 
she loses it right off the bat. Right. Thank God Granny's there to collect it. Uh, right. Because Granny's awesome. Uh, she's, like, such a great character, by the way. Can we pause for a second to say, like, what a cool-ass character Granny is? Yeah. Definitely the most, like... I think she's the most fun of all of the characters in the sh- in the movie. Uh, I love Granny. I I agree entirely. I think that she's probably my favorite character in the movie. Um, just because she she's so funny. She she's so carefree, and I think to some degree, um, she is um reflected a lot in Moana, right? And so like mm-hmm. when you see the fact that she has such a close relationship with the ocean already makes sure. me question whether or not she was like Moana, even. Maybe she was not successful. Um, sure. Yeah, absolutely. She Well, she dances with the ocean, right? She, like, she dances with the ocean. She, like, has a ray tattoo. She dances with rays. Like, clearly the ocean has also sort of chosen her, right? Right. And whether uh, or not, we don't really know to what extent that is. Like, it could be as a guide for Moana, or it could have been that she, the ocean tried to get her to do the job before. Interesting. Um, I, I mean, we just don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think she's absolutely uh, this awesome character. I just love her character so much. The village crazy lady. Um, <laughs> and like, and she makes the best facial expressions too. Just the like wide eyes, crazy lady look. <laughs> she does make great crazy lady looks. Yeah, I really, I love the way she does those um, expressions. Um, I, I want to like actually use this time to talk through the titles of some of the songs in this in this uh, movie. So we start off with like. The, the scene where she is like learning right about like she's like learning about the responsibilities of like being in this culture whatever being the chieftain um yeah i guess so we are like learning we 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 have the title where you are uh which is about like literally like learning about your space um and then like you get in this this discovery of like what she wants to be versus where she is uh she you have the song uh, where she's like trying to figure out, should I be on the water too? Do I want to be a explorer, not just where I currently am? And that is like how far I'll go. So it's where you are, how far I'll go. And then you learn about her ancestors. We know the way. So like that three in a row, those three songs in a row, which are like, we have a whole lot of songs right at the beginning of the movie. And then it kind of slows down a little bit, but those three songs right in a row, where you currently are, how far you'll go. And we know the way to show you, which is like a really interesting sort of uh, segment. And uh, it like puts everything together really well. I like that a whole lot. Well, and I agree. I think that's a really interesting fact. Kind of construct the the progress of, um, of these songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so she, so in this scene where she's like between the where you are and how far I'll go, she's like she's learning of her responsibility. She's starting to give up on her dreams uh, in order to become a good chief. So she's like giving up on the how far I'll go sort of part of her, right? Uh, 
uh, because her dad is expecting of it, it of her. Um, but like, ultimately she does come back to her dream, but sort of in a way that like, we, we don't have any fish. We have to leave this Island. Like we have to go, we have no other option kind of thing, which is interesting. So it's like still in the chief mode. She's like, we have to like, we have to venture out uh, in order to be successful kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an interesting point too, is that she, she knows what it's going to take, mm-hmm. but her father is um, kind of the representation while, while her mother or her grandmother's the representation of history truth. Um, I think her father is more of the representation of safety of, of security. Sure. Um, and there's sort of two different cultures, which is what we talked about at the beginning. You have the culture of like the island and the people who live there, and like this is all they know, uh, and the and the ancient history sort of through the grandma of like our ancestors, right? And so when we look at um, her father, I think that to some extent he is also right. And so like when you look at um, what happened to him and his friend. I think that he is right that the sea is treacherous, that exploring is treacherous, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, Moana cannot accept that because it is for, for her, it's in her blood. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess through her grandmother, which I guess in that case, her grandmother did her job right in, in retelling these stories. Uh, but I think that her father's right too. I, I think that he is. I just think that he's right for the wrong reasons. Um, yeah, sort of right through fear, but that doesn't make the the culture of where you are any less good. Like he's like in their song, he sings, uh, you must find happiness where you are, which I think rings true. Uh, Right. And especially because like they've made a life here and frankly, it would be a perfect, it would be a great place to live if not for the fact that all their stuff was dying. Their fish were dying. Their, their crops were dying. And so realistically, after this movie is over, it would have been just, and just as like, I guess the motive would be just as great to just go back to the Island and live there, create a stable society. Yeah. I think that, okay. So I think that that's mostly true. I think the one thing I disagree with, he is, he isn't right because like people should be, if they want to be allowed to explore, they should be allowed to explore. Like you should be allowed to do both, I guess is what I guess I'm kind of saying. Like you should be able to do the, like we culture should be, their culture should be big enough for both the grandma's point of view and his point of view, which is that like, like a kind of a mix of the two. Um, And I sort of feel like at the end, uh, like he shouldn't be saying like no you can't go out past the reef just right. because my friend died or whatever but like at the end i sort of feel like we lose all of the 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 culture and traditions that we have on the island too I and mean, he doesn't necessarily expressly say that but it feels like the entire village got up and left kind of well, thing yeah and i think that the the way you're describing it as a mix of the two is the way that it's described in the origin story mhm um where they kind of are going, they're still going from island to island, but they're taking some people going to the next island 
and colonizing that next island, right? They're, they're leaving people there. They're passing off to a new chieftain. Um, like we see him, the, the current chieftain that led them to this island, pass his, his crown to somebody else so that that new chieftain can go and settle another island. And so on top of the fact that our island exists, the one with most there are other islands that this culture has already colonized mm-hmm. that we know of. That it shows them colonizing other islands. This was their entire purpose. Mm-hmm. So the other islands nearby also have this exact same village, um, just with different people on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think uh, I. I also okay. So real quick. Uh, I really, 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 really enjoy the scene where we learn about the ancestors, like just yeah. like coming back to like how we find all that out. Like she goes in, Granny's like bang on the drum, <laughs> and so she goes in, she bangs on the drum, uh, and like the sails blow up, and like these you know three hundred year old ships uh, that have been rotting away forever are actually fine. And <laughs> um, right, and so like. On top of that, I think that these drums kind of represent um, a shockwave of memory. They, they, she hits it and is struck with this memory, this stagnant memory that, re- um, because it, it, you're right, these ships haven't died. These ships have stayed um, usable. They're still there, and the memories are still alive through the grandmother. And so these this shockwave that when she hits the drum, these shockwave of memories are just act to her because they refuse to die, Mm -hmm. which I think is really cool. And you're right. She, I I love this scene so much. It's beautifully done. It's very dramatic. And she comes running out screaming. We were voyagers. We were voyagers. And, (laughs) And she's like, why did we stop? And it's it's a good question. Why did we stop? And the answer is because of Maui. Right, right, right. And so, like, this is where I think this is super, like, uh, important in the present, right? Where, like, so, so all of their culture basically had to be put on, like, their current culture had to be put on pause because it's changed, right? So, like, like there were, there was a poison going through the world. Uh, making that making like sea voyaging life less like useful and make it actually like basically impossible. Um, so like you found your piece of paradise and you stayed there. And I feel like this comes really, really, really like it's the closest that we get to a statement on now, right? Uh, right. Where you have like global warming and like all of these like like global warming is making it these island nations, there are certain island nations who are basically like going underwater and will be underwater in the next like hundred years where like they're on the front of global warming where like their entire civilization will be gone. Millions of refugees coming out from that area because of like change in nature. So like, I think this is where we get the closest to speaking of like the current uh, trends of our world. Right. Um, and I think that's an interesting point is the fact that it, it's trying to tie as much in to current events as possible with now overly saying it. Um, but it is an underlying theme for sure. Um, 
what the other thing that I found really interesting, especially about this part, is that um, even in the origin story that her grandmother told, it was saying, and we know there were other islands too. So the question then is, why has nobody tried to fix the problem yet? Described in the um, in the origin story as people have tried. We've tried to continue voyaging, but these titans, these storm gods, and Taka hindering us because they want they they feel that now is the time to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, now that nature is is flustered. This be active. Um, and so this is this is kind of where I get into my major point of like um, the, the fact that there are greater gods at play here um, and lesser gods, too. I mean, we've got the Titans, um, these like great sea demons, these great sky demons um, that come about that. Right. That just come from the abyss. Um, and so. Looking at that, I think that it's really interesting point. Uh, when, especially when we look, at the reason that Moana is knocked off course to begin with, she's riding that boat, she's like sailing, she's trying to make her own way, and um, her boat gets knocked over. But for whatever reason, um, the ocean, this ocean god, re- won't help her. And you have to ask yourself why, why, why is it that the ocean was helping her before, but the ocean's not helping her now? And some people I've read, um, some people believe that the ocean didn't help her because the ocean thought it would make her stronger. Um, I tend to believe that it's not because of that. I don't think that the ocean didn't help her because she didn't want to. I think the ocean didn't help her because there was a greater God at play, like a storm God or some kind of Titan that was more power to do anything to help. That, that wind God that she, uh, that she spurned when she uh, told the birds they couldn't eat the, <laughs> the <Right>. sea turtle. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. And like, for all we know, there are, there are bigger gods at play. It's not like um, Taka or it's not like um, Tefiti was the one that gave Maui the the fish hook it i mean there what are the chances you know there have to be other gods at play absolutely um and so i think that's just a, a little point that um it is something to keep in the back of your mind through this movie is that that we have explanation for something that that are explained through gods and titans but other things that aren't necessarily defined in that way that maybe it's wise to, to define in that way. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> no, I think, I think, uh, I think that's really interesting. I think it's like an interesting take uh, on sort of like, we're only seeing it through a small lens. Um, well, yeah. Um, so like our next, else, yeah. Before we go anywhere else though, <laughs> Um, like I went ahead a little bit too, saying that like she was already on the boat and the boat flipped over and stuff before we even got there. I wanted to make a, a funny, uh, the hello, 
My name is Moana. You kill my father. Prepare to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's saying the same. Like, <laughs> you will board my boat. Uh, she even has sort of the inflection uh, in some of the times she says it as Enigma Matoya. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Every time she says it, I think, you killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> you will board my boat. Uh, yeah, that's such a good, like, it's, it's, it's super cool and repeating. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I love it. I thought it was funny. Um, yeah, but, but right before that, we see, like, we see grandma, like, so grandma, like, tells her this line, tells her this is what she will say. She says, you have to go. Um, like, she goes through a sense of duty and responsibility to her, her, her family and island. She goes because, like, that's really what draws her forth. Uh, and she goes because, like, it, like her grandma specifically tells her that this is what she must do, which is really cool. Gui- kind of guides her in that way. Um, and so she has to sort of self-teach her her boating, uh, some boating skills with the help of the ocean. But like you said, the storm god knocks her over. Uh, but she does end up landing on Maui's island, which is where we get our very first view of Maui. Okay, so Maui, obviously I have a lot to say about Maui, um, but the way that Maui is portrayed in this movie, um, this very uh, larger-than-life character, right? Um, I really like this. Uh, I know that you you are kind of critical of it, um, but the way they came up with the uh, drawing of Maui in this uh, this movie is they asked, um, well, they asked a lot of people, but specifically when they talked to Dwayne The Rock Johnson, um, because Maui is a real mythical character. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in a, a great deal of Native Hawaiian myth. Um, when asked about what Maui looks like, um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, explained the way he was told. And so... Um, the what we're seeing here, Maui's physical structure is a combination of those mythical recountings, and um, the other half would be Dwayne the Rock Johnson's face. <laughs> yeah, I guess like so. My biggest, it just kind of looks like a stereotypical like he doesn't get so like the problem that people have. And like, I, I kind of agree with him a lot on this is like, he doesn't, he's like a, he, he's a superhero, but he's like, like, he's like this super awesome guy. But he's sort of portrayed as like, uh, like almost obese. Like he's like huge. Um, and I guess that's partially demigod, but like partially pay, plays on stereotypes. Uh, it also like I, I guess like the one thing too like he that I'm I'm kind of okay with this on like he the reason why it feels sort of okay is like he is set up as a like as a like sidekick character um, and I think like his like bodily features like who he like what he looks like sort of plays that up like almost like a Baymax in Big Hero Six or like a Baloo or like a you know like he's like um he like kind of takes the the like stereotypical 
like sidekick character sort of like look about him. Um, I just feel like there was another way to betray Maui without like maybe playing so much on stereotypes. Okay, so maybe just more of the like more like what Dwayne the Rock Johnson looks like would have been fine. <laughs> like, he like looks like a superhero, right. looks like a movie god. I mean, like, I want to have sex with Dwayne the Rock Johnson, uh, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, why not? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just like, like, if you have Dwayne uh, the Rock Johnson as your arsenal, like, why? Like, I don't know. That's just like sort of how I feel about it. Right. Um, so. <laughs> I, I'm I'm moved right past that. Pretend, or like we're just gonna breeze right through it. Um, but uh, you're, yeah, I think you're right. Like I could see, I could have seen Maui as like a lot more buff, I guess, than just being um, quite as like boulder shaped. Sure. Um, the yeah, boulder. I, the boulder. The Maui boulder. <laughs> um, like five people are gonna get that. <laughs> But those five people are gonna get a kick out of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so shout out to you guys. Um, but yeah, like so. I, I guess my I mean is that um, obviously um, he's kind of an ironic character. Um, yes, she she's seeking out Maui for his help to to fix the problem that he created. But when it comes to Maui's actual power, he is human in almost every respect. Um, and we find out later that he is human. He was born human, and there's really nothing special about him. And so when we come to, like, I guess the same issue as before when we talked about Hercules is what defines a hero. And that we we kind of discovered through uh, talking it out with Hercules that at least in that movie, heroes defined as self-sacrifice, right? And so in this movie, finding himself as hero by his accomplishments. Um, and maybe he was portrayed as a hero before, before he did this one thing. But even then he was doing it for the love of humans, right? He, he was going to take, the heart of Tefiti and give it to the humans for their betterment. And so I, I'm, I'm kind of questioning how these, how the make hero as opposed to the makers of Hercules. Yeah, no, I think like, you're right. Like he, he feels like he sees himself as a hero. Right. Um, but it's clear by the end of the movie that he like, he has powers like he did a lot of really great stuff for humans um but like he said he said it's never enough right um like i i gave him coconuts i lasted the sun to get a little bit closer so that we have longer days i gave us fire from the underworld i gave us like i gave all the humans all this shit and like it was never enough um Oh, speaking of coconuts, real quick, did you get? Did you notice the villager just like cracked a coconut with her bare hands like a badass? <laughs> I did not. Oh, oh, the the messed up one. Yeah, the rotten coconut. Uh, yeah. I assume it's because it was rotten, but it was otherwise it was a badass like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. The the other thing 
too that I, I actually skipped over that I forgot to say was um, Alan Tudyk uh, in the boat, especially um, before the storm, even when, when he's like walking off the edge and she has to like keep putting him back up and catching him. And he's like walking back and forth in the ship. Um, and even before then, when he's like, he eats the rock and the, the village guy's like, something's wrong with that chicken. The village guy played by Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk played the village guy too? The, the, the guy who's like, let's just eat him. That's Alan Tudyk, yeah. <laughs> um, I gotta say, <laughs> like, I, I appreciate that in this movie, almost all the actors are um, native Hawaiians or Polynesian, but uh, Alan Tudyk just makes this movie so much better for me. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's true. He's a badass. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yes, he's a white guy, but it, it's funny nonetheless. Um, so, just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but anyway, Ma- like, yeah, Maui's a selfish asshole. Like, <laughs> he's yeah. just like I mean, a huge, like, fucking, like, uh, especially when we meet him. And I think, like, maybe he, he, like, he is more so than maybe he was. I think that's part of his character, though, right? Like, he's a selfish asshole who wants, like, to please people. Um, sounds like uh, someone I know. Uh, and, like, I'm not talking about you. Don't look at me like that. Like, what are you talking about? Don't be an asshole. <laughs> no, no. I, I was talking about the modern-day politics. A selfish asshole wants to please people. No, no, no. I see. No, we're, we're, we've, uh, Josh and I have made a commitment to, like, keep this uh, podcast relatively like like current politics free and like kind of keep it as like a safe haven from the uh the 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 day-to-day evilness so uh, this yeah. is our like escapism for the week right <laughs> uh, if you're interested in that uh listen to our other podcast about geese and um lost and uh, <laughs> yeah that one um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, Maui is a selfish fucking asshole. Uh, he's like, but yes, he still sees himself as a hero. He thinks like people still think of himself as a hero. He's like, he is a really interesting guy. And like when she's she's doing the like with him at the very beginning, he's like, yeah, no, you're welcome. Like I'm, I see what's going on. You, you just want to like hang out with me kind of thing. You're welcome. I got you. And then we get that awesome song. Um, yeah, and first of all, I, the I gotta say, this is probably like my probably my favorite song in the movie. Um, I guess mainly because it is written by Lin Manuel Miranda, and it's just wit- written so great. It's not like it's not as true to the um, musical style of the rest of the movie, where it's like trying to be as accurate as possible to um, the culturally accurate songs oh you forgot about shiny it's we'll pretty there. close to shiny <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. don't worry um, <laughs> but it's it's i guess i can deal with the fact that it's not the same musical style because of the way that it's written um yeah no i love the part where it's like the the like rap part where it's like uh it's like the super fast like uh it's like 
Don't mess with Maui when he's on the breakaway. And this tapestry here on my skin reminds me of the victories I win. Yeah. Look at this Maui. He makes everything happen. Look at the Maui. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, and like especially um, when you do hear that that part, it's plain that this is written by Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's clearly obvious. I heard it and didn't know that Lin Manuel was part of it when I first watched the movie, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I think that Lin Manuel wrote this song. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, he became a songwriter, like, uh, in part because he wanted to, like, work on movies like uh, like Aladdin. Like, he, he thought that was super badass, and, like, he wanted to do that. Uh, so that's really cool. Anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, Maui, like, asshole who, like, only agrees to, like, help because he, like, wants to keep pleasing people. Like, we still get, like, Maui as an asshole, right? Uh, but yeah. he does eventually agree to help. Um, but only after this great Kakamura scene, which is speaking of like Abby t- talked about earlier about like the Mad Max scene. Uh, this is directly from Mad Max. Have you seen Mad Max? I have. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like this is like like per- like a one hundred percent copy of Mad Max, like the new Mad Max Fury Road movie. Uh, like it like just looks like that. Like feels like it with like the beating of the drums with the. <laughs> Oh man, the Kakamura scene is so fucking cool. I like, I could watch that on repeat. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, like, and also what's cool about it is too that like Moana does most of the badassery. Like, she like punches Kakamura. She's like knocking people out. She's like throwing the, like, she's throwing the arrow at the boat and like sliding down it in like really cool fashion. Like she's like a really cool character and Maui's mostly just running away. Um, Cause like Maui like is like, that's really interesting part of his character that I sort of like feel like is weird. Uh, like it, it makes sense that he'd run away from that spot, but like he also like is like legitimately like afraid of the heart of Tafiti. Like how does that like square with his character? Do you think? Uh, well, I, I I mean, this is a, a good point, is the fact that you're right, from the very second he sees Moana has the heart of Tafiti, he instantly says, no, I'm I'm not helping you. There's no way I'm helping you. That thing is nothing but trouble. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, I mean, it is. It is nothing but trouble, but for him at least. He, he took it because he thought it would help. And then instantly um, everything changed. He... he um, he found that it was a a target for him. Yeah. Um, and so when the the Kakamura take it, right? He's just like, well, that's it. I know these guys because he's he's fought them before. We see them on his skin. Um, but I, I guess, and I I guess what I assume from the Kakamori are that they are a type of um, demon. They're they're an abyssal demon. Um, did he create them when he when he planted the eel into the ground and, and uh, grew coconuts? Uh, I don't know, but because well, they're not actually coconuts, they're they're wearing coconut masks. Yeah. Makes me think that they're some kind of abyssal demon that are too horrifying to look at, or maybe like some kind of like um, invertebrate that of some kind. Um, so they wear coconuts as a, a support. Um, I, I don't know. That's just, 
hearsay. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, you're right though. He he's trying to leave because he sees this as his way out. Yeah. Um, but Moana is a badass. She just goes and and gets it back and kicks a bunch of demon ass and takes it. Um, I I think that's really cool. And then the fact that she, on top of getting it back, um, is able to re-swindle Maui back into the job is really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, just by, like, you know, again, Maui's, like, super self-absorbed, and she's able to recognize that. Um, But, yeah, uh, here Maui has a a really great line. If you wear a dress and have an animal sidekick... You're a princess. Yeah. Uh, very like <laughs> meta breaking the fourth wall. Uh, Cause like there is arguments of like, which characters are really princesses is Bray is like, is, is Merida a princess is like, is Mulan really a princess? Like, are these characters who are like part of the princess brand? Are they really a princess? Right. Uh, and I think that's kind of interesting that they like, <laughs> if you wear a dress and have an animal sidekick, you're a princess. Right. Uh, so very meta there. <laughs> yeah, for for sure. That debate. <laughs> um, and so like, yeah, I think that's really funny too, is that um, I wrote that one down as well. I think it's funny. Um, but then he says, uh, he says something that I also caught as kind of uh, interesting and it kind of defining, um, Maui's motives, which is another one of my main theme points. And that's, um, I'm not Maui without my hook. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something he seems to repeat too. That this he says um, it over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm not Maui without my hook. And I think this is really interesting. Um, so th- the way that I'm taking it is he is defining himself as, um, human when he's not with his hook, but mm-hmm. he's defining himself as a demigod when he has the hook. Yeah. And we, we find out like through his backstory, what happened to him. Um, and that's that his mother didn't want him and tried to drown him. But some gods, we don't know which gods saved him um, and gave him, um, gave him the hook, made him Maui by giving him the hook. And so I guess, what that means to me is that he has been spending his entire life, literally from childhood to manhood to this point right now. And even more years than that, because he's been around since before they were even on the Island. Um, So he's hundreds, maybe even thousands of years old. um, And his entire life, his entire existence has been based around the fact that he is only a demigod when he has the hook. Um, yeah, well, like, and he's only, like, special when he has the hook. Right, and so, like, I guess this is def- a defining point for Maui's character. Um, when you look at the reason that he does the things that he does, even in the, the uh, those his of he plants the eel in the ground, he um, lashes the sun together or whatever those those types of things he's doing them so that humanity will love him i.e his mother will love him yeah yeah um yeah and like even stealing the heart of tafiti he just wants to be loved and i guess this is how he starts out and sort of in the same um 
he starts out thinking that being a hero is ego. But over time, he finds out otherwise. Yeah. And we, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to learn a whole lot about like what it means to actually be yourself in a second. Right. Uh, like as time goes on. Um, but yeah, so like, so Moana, like she has this, like she, she learns how to wayfind uh, sort of from Maui who, who, who becomes unco- uh, unconscious because the, uh, uh, the ocean throws a blow dart at her, at his butt. Um, Maui pees on her hand, uh, <laughs> which is my favorite <laughs> adult joke of the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, she dreams, though, that her island gets blown up. Uh, the, the tower that get, like will take them to where Maui is pretty sure his hook lives, right? Um, yeah. Maui sort of really takes them there, ultimately, because uh, she falls asleep. Um, and like they have this discussion about the ocean chose me, like the ocean chose her, and she, yeah. and, and Maui again breaking the fourth wall is like break, blowing holes all through this theory. Like, but wait, why would an eight year? Why would the ocean choose an eight year old who can't sail? Uh, and why not like just bring me the hook if the ocean's so smart? Uh, <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. Like I think like. Probably the ocean is like the whole point is like I actually really think that like these answers aren't super well solved, but like other than the like uh like the the like the movie blows its own like tells everybody its own plot holes. Because I gotta think like uh <laughs> the movie was expecting like they were expecting people to ask this question. Like, why doesn't the ocean just bring him the hook? Uh <laughs> so the movie just like preempts that i actually don't think there's a good answer for that uh, i'm not even gonna try i did read some theories but i didn't really like any of them uh so i'm just gonna blow right past that um they like they do, he does the the like the haka a little bit to the the traditional maori like dance uh and like chant to get uh into the underground um and <laughs> they fight some demons it's pretty cute my uh next line that i wrote down uh, it is. This is going to be the worst scene. And then I said, "Wait, she punches Maui." <laughs> now it's the worst scene. <laughs> um, yeah, I I gotta say, this is probably or not probably. This is for certain my least favorite scene of the movie. I really, really fucking hate this giant crab. And more so, I really fucking hate his song, Shiny. I think that it is way out of place with the rest of the movie. And I think that this character was entirely unnecessary to the story. I think they could have gone and done literally anything else as a challenge <laughs> to get this book back. And the movie would have been ten times better. Yeah. No, it was pretty <laughs> awful. Uh, like, apparently Lin-Manuel Miranda said this was, this character was based off of David Bowie. Uh, in which case, it's like a bad representation of David Bowie. <laughs> uh, so, oh well. Um, um, my The one good line from there, uh, you can't run from me? Oh, you can. You keep surprising me. <laughs> that made me laugh. I, I did enjoy that line. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, don't get me wrong. He said a couple of funny things that I, I laughed at a little bit. Um, but the song was out of place the character was unnecessary and i i i think i would have been much happier if this had entirely been stricken out 
Oh, yeah. At, at the very end, like he says, did you like the song? And everybody in the theater yelled, no, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> for, for those of you guys who don't know, um, I worked in a movie theater recently um, for a couple of months. And I uh, I was there when Moana was um, playing still. And <laughs> that stuff happened. And I would be like walking through the theater and I would hear that line and I'd think to myself, God, I hate this character so much. <laughs> and like the character, the, the theater's filled with like six year olds and their parents. And so I couldn't say it too loud, but I kind of mumbled it under my breath every time I went in. <laughs> oh, God, it's so good. <laughs> um. <laughs> Um, Did you but see yeah, the, like, so he, the, the the after credits scene with him, yeah, where he's like comparing himself to uh, other notable yeah. Disney crabs. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he doesn't compare at all. No, screw it. <laughs> uh, but I really like the the scene right after this where Maui gets his uh, hook back and like he's flipping through channels essentially, and one of them is uh, the the moose. From Frozen? Sven, yeah. Sven. I think that's really funny. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Uh, I, I also really enjoyed the shark headline, the shark head scene. <laughs> it's really, yeah. really funny. Um, also, like, his tattoo becomes, like, a shark head. It's really But, yeah, that's really it as far as what I have um, for this point. So do you have anything else that are you ready to move on from there? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I guess the way that they, they convince Maui to get back to work, we've already talked a lot about Maui and his motivations, but like, I think here we start to actually see his backstory, which is interesting. Humans got rid of him. The gods gave him the hook. Um, But back, he went right back to the humans. uh, But this is what's really interesting. It's where, Moana says, the gods didn't make you Maui. The gods don't make you Maui. The hook doesn't make you Maui. You do. And so, like, she's basically saying just the, the fact that you can't, like, transform isn't, like, isn't defining for you. You decide who you are kind of thing. Um, and I think, like, sort of through that is also saying that means that, like, what you do for humans also doesn't define you. Like, your your heroism, like who you you're, like, because Maui in his head is a hero, uh, but like what she's saying is like doing all these things to impress people doesn't a hu- a hero make kind of thing, right? Um, and I think that this is something else that we see. Um, he's going through similar issues that she's going through, that Tafiti is going through. Um, I mean, obviously, we like we're going to talk a little bit here at the end about. Um, how she's mirrored in Tafiti, but I think yeah. she's also mirrored mirrored in Maui. Absolutely, this fact that like he is defining himself by his hook, but he can't define himself by that. He needs to define himself by his actions. Whereas, um, yeah, Tafiti uh, is defining herself herself by like by the heart of Tafiti, and like uh, is has has changed her character based on on that. Uh, and Moana is searching for who she really is. Is she the daughter of the chieftain? Is she an explorer? Like, where does where does her identity lie? Right. Uh, and so, like, I guess, and we we talked about it with Abby, but 
for for Moana at least, it's not a matter of how she will be successful or if she will be successful. It's a matter of how she will be successful. Because um, we saw her like hula teaching hulaing. She she's born to teach. Um, but it's not a matter. It's between whether or not she's going to be born to teach hula or if it's going to be born to teach wayfinding. Um, and you know, I think that's interesting because it's the same with Maui. He he's having to decide. Um, either way, he was born to be a hero. It's just a matter of how he will be a hero. Um, and when we see him, uh, they go through the first time of trying to to beat Tafiti, and his uh, hook gets messed up. And um, I think this is a big point for him where he, uh, a turning point for him, where he's like, okay, you broke my hook. That's it. I give up. Like, I, I'm not Maui without my hook. It only has one more go. I'm not giving it to you. Yeah. And we get yeah. back to this. So, like, right before they go out the first time, Maui says, you know, the oceans, uh, the oceans connected your ancestors, uh, and the ocean probably wants that again, which is why the ocean chose you. Somebody who can, like, teach uh, your, like, your future like uh like to teach your culture to go out and be travelers and explorers again but then later on after the first time going in like she says to him like trying to convince her to come back like i have no other option like i have to go back because my island needs me the ocean chose me and maui says well it chose wrong and he flies off in the distance and you're like fuck you maui fuck you right um movie like we would have gotten like the moment when like Maui decides, no, wait, I have to go back. I have to like go and help my friend. Like we would have like seen some turning point in him, but because this movie is not really about him, like we don't see that. And we, he, we just see him come back later on after he's made his change of heart, which I like actually really like. Yeah. And that, so like, it's not assumed necessarily that he's going to come back. Um, yeah. Because it, we didn't see it. We didn't see it physically happen. Um, and I think you're right. I think that kind of makes this movie a little bit different than others that yeah. are similar. Um, and so, like, you know, it, his, his fish hook is messed up. He says it, all it takes is one more blow, and this thing is going to die on me. But he he leaves. He's like, I'm I'm not helping you anymore. I I'm I want to remain Maui, and this is the only way to remain Maui. Um, Which is interesting because if he leaves and is no longer a hero, he's no longer Maui. Like right. that's like in his mind, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, so this is like my absolute favorite scene in the movie, and I love this scene. I literally cry every single time I hear this song, which is a lot because I play this song like almost every day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So like grandma comes in and like sets yeah. up everything, right? Uh, like she's like, you know, you can go home. Like I'll be with you uh, or you can like go forth, like whatever. Like I put too much on you, that kind of thing. Uh, uh, and she sings like Moana, you come so far. Moana, do you know who you are? And she does this whole like, she talks back and forth, like kind of what we said, like, I am I this person? Am I that person? Uh, and I really like love this line. This is the part that always gets me. Uh, and the call isn't out there at all. It's inside me. Uh, like where it's like, she's saying like the call to go out isn't 
like it's it's from within like i it's who i am she's deciding who she is like she's saying i know the way come what may i know the way and then she sings i am moana very like she she dives in the water she grabs the heart of fifi it's like such a powerful scene uh and like she jumps back on the boat she starts like fixing the boat and she says she like changes her words she says i am moana of matanui Aboard my boat, I will sail the sea and restore the heart of Tafiti. Like she, like makes it less of she's now. It's now her. It's she's finally like learned who she is uh, and learned like how like like where she fits in into the world. And it's such a great scene every single time I watch it, man. Right. And uh, up to this point, this is like a, another theme, I guess, that's specifically about her, and that's um throughout this the the whole beginning part of this movie it's about who she's meant to be like whether it's her father telling her she's meant to be the chieftain or whether it's her grandmother telling it her you're meant to save tafiti Mm -hmm. i think that's really interesting and this point i can be both i i I will be both because this is me telling my who i'm meant to be um and so, like, looking at that, I think that this is a... You're right. I think this is the most powerful scene in the movie because it, it's... You know, we have the the sim- symbolism of the, the manta ray and this idea of sea travel being freedom. Um, mm-hmm. The manta ray is very free. Um, her grandmother's this beautiful, um, glowing manta ray that comes to her aid. Um yeah. And she she is free at this moment. She's independent at this moment. But I think that nonetheless, the thought of her grandmother kind of brings forward the thought of her father and her grandmother and what they were both saying um, and that they both do apply. And that's why when I said earlier that her father was right, um, I think that he is right to some extent. And I think yeah. that the grandmother's right to some extent. And the fact that she establishes for herself by both of those ideas of who she was meant to be is um, very exciting for her character. Yeah, absolutely. So, so anyway, she goes, she, she goes in, she comes around the the side. She does that Maui move where she jumps on the front of the boat to like flip out to Ka. Like Ka's like, what? Uh, And and she, she like gets inside um, dead. But then Maui comes in and like, Diverts attention, break, cuts off the arm, turns into a whale, gets to Kaa wet, which is pretty badass. Uh, so, like, she gets to the top of the mountain, right? Oh, the ocean helps out sometimes too, like helps her get to the to the top of the mountain. Uh, she gets to the top of the mountain. She like realizes like Tafiti is gone, like the island is gone. Which, for the record, I gotta say, I love the way this looks. Um, this the, she's standing on top of this mountain. And there's like the the layout of where she was laying. Yeah, I think that's beautiful and very dramatic. And you're thinking to yourself, where did she she was laying right here? Here's the the place where she was laying. Where is she now? Now? Yeah, yeah, no, the the like reveal that like you start to see like, oh shit, no, to cause to like oh god, because like uh, I guess like maybe Maui like breaks off 
a part of like to cause like chest or something so you can see the like the little like spiral in her chest now uh and so maui tells the ocean let her come to me the ocean parts to let like tafiti run at her like like kind of like dragging her legs behind her uh in a really cool scene what meanwhile like moana is like singing like walking slowly super confident she says the line this is not who you are uh like she says they have stole the heart from inside you but this does not define you right before like like right as she's coming up and i think that's like what we were saying earlier where like she's reflected she's trying to say like you define who you are like a simple object a part of like there's just like there's not a a hook there's not the heart like there's not outside forces that define you define you yeah um and i really and really, uh, this is something that yeah. we asked ourselves earlier too uh between me and you was the question of if she had not self actualized in the scene prior to this one do you think that she, she would be she would have been able to restore the heart of Tafiti. I mean, even if she had realized that Taka was Tafiti, if she had not self-actualized and still gone and tried, do you think that she could have reached forward and put it back in? No. And I also don't feel like she would have been confident enough in herself to like, even tell the ocean, like, let her come to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that was like a super bold move. Right. Like, I don't think that would have happened if she did not feel 100% certainty in that moment in herself and her abilities, you know, I think that's really the, like the question mark. Uh, It was sort of like the action item that she took there, you know? Right. And so I think that would have been a very different movie if, if she hadn't, if that last scene hadn't occurred, I think that we would see a very different ending here. Um, One where the world blows up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but nonetheless, Shafiti, uh, everybody wins, and um, Tafiti lays back down, gives Maui a new hook. And I want to say this too: is we we said that um, Moana is mirrored in Tafiti, right? Um, but it, I, the other thing that I want to say, and this is something that I want to get to here at the end, is that visually they kind of look alike. Tafiti looks kind of like Moana in the face. Um, and so I, uh, I won't, that's not what I'm like, be like her, her grandma or her, like her, her like ancestors. Like they look like, uh, like they have, they do share certain facial features. Sure. Right. And that's kind of what I'm saying. And that's not necessarily, um, the point I want to make. It's more of the point I want to make here at the end is, the the visual aspect of this movie how beautifully made this movie was um and the way that the animation style everything as far as that goes and it for that matter too the way that they portrayed the cast and the songs and the way that everything kind of was trying to be as culturally accurate as possible yeah no they 2016 was a banner year for like uh for Disney and I think in that way, because I think Zootopia like is like straight up a movie about anti-racism and like changing your mindset. So like 2016 was a great year for, for Disney uh, as far as that goes. Um, Like I said, there's definitely things that I think could be better, but I think they did a great job overall. Uh, 
she goes back to the village. She teaches them how to voyage. Uh, I've already kind of talked about that a little bit, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think like the the ending scene where everybody's like happy and like like voyaging on like their ancestors. It's like um, kind of coming full circle, and it's a great like it's just a great great movie altogether. Yeah, and to like working with Maui again. Um, <laughs> The, the way that they had been where Maui was pulling the islands up and they were exploring them. Yep. Um, I think that that's really exciting that Moana is that new expedition. Yep. Absolutely. All right, um, man. Do you want to yeah. do some, uh, do you want to do some uh, housekeeping here real quick? Yeah, by all means. All right, man. Uh, so uh, our Facebook, please, please, please like us. Uh, you can find us at front porch, Disney, our Twitter at Disney. Uh, I uh, I I think we have an iTunes at our iTunes. Just look up, search at Front Porch Disney, or you can find it on our Facebook page, SoundCloud yep. at Front Porch Disney. Yeah. Uh, we have please, 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 just like especially on iTunes, like subscribe. Don't just listen. Please subscribe because it actually makes it easier for new people to find us. Give us a rating on iTunes. It makes it easier for new people to find us. Um, we are now found on four different nations, so we're growing. Dozens of fans, literally dozens of fans here. Yeah, uh, media moguls. Yeah, media moguls. Uh, we are really excited to be like, like, kind of interacting with you guys. And so, anytime that you guys have feedback, please make sure that you like give us that feedback, uh, good, bad, indifferent. Um, and we, what we can tell you is, uh, we have a brand new, uh, like, we're getting. Our shit together, Josh. Do you want to? Do you want to tell us? Tell everybody how we're getting our shit together. Yeah, uh, I do. Um, so we've got. We were really excited again, and I want to say before we even go there, thank you again to Abby Jindal. Um, we really appreciated having you on. It was great. Uh, uh, the other thing is we have another guest for this upcoming episode, episode six. Um. We're going to have a good friend of ours, Alan Coates, is going to be on. We're going to be talking about Monsters, Inc. So um, that's going to be pretty great. Tune into that episode. Uh, Let's just should clarify, be a- he's, he's a good friend of yours. He's an arch nemesis of mine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, well, so um, it, it'll, be, it'll be good to have him on. Uh, we, we're really excited to start getting a little bit more into guests and having guests on um, because they, they do um, bring a certain air of whatever it is that they find interesting about the movie. It's good to, to delve into those topics um, with somebody that's not just me and Tony, you know, we crack ourselves up, but sometimes it's good to have somebody else on the show too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Oh, 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 I, I, I got in, I got myself into the, the Twitter thing. Did you, did you guys see? I, uh, I oh, made yeah. a Twitter. I made a tweet. I tweeted. When you sign with the bird, it's called tweeting. Right. Uh, so Tony's um, Tony's Twitter handle is uh, Front Porch Tony at Front Porch Tony. Um, I also have one now. Uh, it's going to be Front Porch Josh, and then uh, our total one is at Fropo Disney. God damn. Um, for the for the record, Front Porch Disney. The reason is that Front Porch Disney was too long. Um, so. Uh, it's fine. It's not a huge deal. But Fropo Disney, 
uh, at Front Porch Josh at Front Porch Tony. Uh, like us there. We'll be um, we'll be sort of uh, advertising whenever we put up new episodes and kind of like what we do with Facebook, um, just sort of giving you heads up every time we find stuff that's interesting or funny or uh, prepping for the next episodes, just to get you guys hyped up. Yeah. Uh, so get excited and uh, like and share with your friends, like Tony said. And um, yeah, hope you guys liked it. Um, if you guys find anything else that you noticed about the movie that you wanted to talk about, feel free to post on Facebook or Twitter um, and message us too. We're, we're happy to answer any questions you have through message, uh, uh, Facebook Messenger, Twitter, stuff like that too. Uh, with that, Tony, you want to play us out? Absolutely. What can I say except you're welcome? You're welcome. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Over and out.